0: Welcome to the Tech Arena, featuring authentic discussions between tech's leading innovators and our host, Allison Klein. Now let's step into the arena.
1: Welcome to the Tech Arena. My name is Allison Klein, and I'm coming to you from the AI Hardware Summit in Santa Clara, California. And I'm here with David Bennett, Chief Customer Officer with Tenstorrent. How are you doing today, David?
0: Great, Allison. Thanks for having me.
1: We're here at A really interesting conference that's talking about the future of hardware for AI. We're talking about that at at a moment in time in the industry when AI has really captured the attention of not just the industry, but broader populace. And we see the potential of this transformative technology. Tell me about TenStore and how you all fit into that and what you're expecting from the conference this week
0: i think you're absolutely right i think you know you said you said where we are but I, and then you 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 know expanded to say when we are and i think that when is pretty important right it's it's you know ai has been plugging away for for quite some time now but really with the generative models with large language models i think it's really kind of burst into sort of general population pop culture more than more than it has before um but i also think it underlines the point you know right now we have a market that for all intents and purposes is dominated by a single player meaning that you have NVIDIA, uh, who's put a lot of work into the whole ecosystem to have you know, the hardware and the software to drive a lot of this innovation and drive everything around AI. Um, but I think it's important, um, you know, we've seen in, in other parts of our industry, uh, to have alternatives, to have different approaches to technology, and that competition drives innovation. At the same time, you know, we think here at TenStorrent, uh, there's a better way to do it. And if you look at what TenStorrent uh, does, uh, for those you that, that may not know us, um, you know, we build computers for AI. Mm-hmm. And I think the two major things to think about when you think of Tenstorrent is, you know, we have a solution that is built, grounds up for AI. It's not a, you know, a, a GPU architecture that happens to be good at AI or something that we've been, you know, pushing for years. We really developed the architecture with AI and machine learning models in mind. Mm-hmm. And that's number one. Num- number two, our approach, you know, probably a little too much to go into this conversation, but... Again, we believe that to uh, provide customers and to provide people what they're looking for in an AI hardware solution that's not sort of the the de facto standard, uh, you need to do everything. You can't just slice off inference only or be NLP. So TenStorrent's mission is uh, inference training, uh, CNNs, NLP, recommendation engines, doesn't matter, everything on the same silicon, same software stack. And I guess the last piece that's pretty interesting and I think what differentiates us a lot from the other AI hardware startups out there is that we believe the future of the data center and the future of compute is this combination of large general compute and acceleration. Mm-hmm. I think the trends, we see it, right? We see the MI300 from AMD, awesome. We see NVIDIA's Grace Hopper. Um, but I think the trend, trend is there. And I think what sets us apart is our CEO, Jim Keller, um, has quite a name for himself in uh, the arena of high-performance compute. So we are uh, developing what we uh, like to refer to as the world's highest performing, best performing RISC-V CPU architecture. And I think the magic is, is that it's designed as sort of a companion to our AI hardware. And that coming together of AI and general compute, uh, we think is going to be the, the, the magic, the secret sauce for us in the next couple of years.
1: Wow, David, you just set me up with an entire interview and questions of that one statement. So let's oh, break it down. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, you started with, you, you're developing an architecture specifically for AI. And you also mentioned that you're a RISC-V architecture. Mm-hmm. Tell me why Risk v is the right play.
0: Oh, that, that's a great question. And actually, it's funny. It, our story about why we got into Risk Five. I think it kind of tells that, right? So we have this AI architecture again that is developed from the grounds up to be really good at machine learning models. So we did things, you know, we're in our third generation of hardware right now. And and from our first generation, you know, we bet big on low precision floating point, we bet big on you know sparsity, conditional sparsity, dynamic sparsity. We have got all these things in the architecture. But fundamentally we believe it's this coming together of CPU, general compute as well. If you look at most of even today, a fair number of the operations are happening off the accelerator or off the GPU and compute, right? So Long story short, we knew we needed to compute. Um, We had actually thought about, okay, well, what are we going to pair with our accelerator? X86, you know, it's very hard to kind of do that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. So we went to ARM, and there was some um, ideas that the team had around some data types that we would like added to the ARM Mm -hmm. uh, processor that we were using, and and unfortunately, they couldn't do it for whatever reason. So we're like, well, these are things that we know will be beneficial to AI. We'd like to add in these data types. RISC-V, RISC-V is an open standard architecture, meaning that you can, you can change the ISA, you can add in data types, things that you need. Um, and we went to one of the uh, risk five vendors, and they're like, sure, and they put it in. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, that kind of started us off on our journey. We, we wanted the right technology. We wanted the right data types, which we knew would be beneficial for AI and machine learning models. And I think when we we're very happy with what we got, but when we looked at it, I think it inspired Jim and the team to say, well, let's go build something bigger and better because we know it's going to be needed in the future.
1: Now, you mentioned Grace Hopper. You mentioned um, AMDs. MI300.
0: Yep. Uh, MI300.
1: Mm-hmm. MI when you look at TenStorrent, are you looking to be an accelerator in a multi-vendor chiplet architecture? Or are you looking to be an alternative to those? Well, that, that's
0: also a great question. So how we define ourselves. We're small enough that um, we have multiple routes to market. So fundamentally, we are creating technology that will you know, drive machine learning, a really high-performance compute. How we take that to market is in a number of ways. So today we produce PCI boards, servers. We have an ultra-dense for you. We call Galaxy. Um, so very much we're going toe-to-toe with what uh, NVIDIA is doing. Um, that doesn't change. At the same time, because we are an open-sourcing our software, we're using open standard RISC-V. We're big believers, kind of in open standards, open source in general. Um, we've had a lot of inbound interest for our IP, mm-hmm. be it the AI IP, be it the RISC-V IP. Um, so we're working with strategic partners, which we've announced here in the last couple of months, where we'll be you know, working with companies to you know, transfer our IP and, and develop products together. And then finally, you, you talked about chiplets. Uh, you know, AMD's been very successful with their approach to using chiplets, and we, we believe really strongly in that. So if you look at our publicly stated next generation roadmaps, we are going to be uh, designing, developing, and selling chiplets. So we will have an AI chiplet, we'll have a, a RISC-V CPU chiplet, probably have some memory and I.O. subsystem chiplets. Uh, Yeah, but our our goal is certainly to really go big with chiplets um, because fundamentally uh, chiplets allow you to do a couple things. It allows you to choose the right amount of compute with the right balance for what your workloads require, and we believe that it significantly reduces the time to market and Mm -hmm. the cost, thereby uh, significantly increasing the the number of people, number of customers and and companies that are going to go and develop their own silicon
1: Last week, I was talking to Nnedi Chappelle. She runs the team over at Microsoft that's building their infrastructure. And she talked about her background in HPC. He brought up also that Jim Keller has a very well-known background in HPC and supercomputing. Why is it that HPC is so critical and, like, knowledge of supercomputers is so critical when you're building AI training engines.
0: Yeah, so it's, it goes back to high-performance computer, right? High-performance, it, it turns out it's really hard to develop high-performance computers, right? So you see a lot of people playing, like, there's a lot of risk-high companies out there, a lot of ARM companies they are doing things on the low-end, microcontrollers. Um, but then, conversely, you see a lot of really big companies putting in a lot of money to go develop their own high-performance compute architecture, and, frankly, not really, I think, seeing the results that they want. That's why it's sort of been limited to Intel and AMD and more recently I think ARM has have made significant strides in, in sort of the higher performance compute. But it turns out it's a lot harder. And what you're seeing now is that um, the, if you look at most supercomputers, mo- if, you, if you speak with the directors of these centers, most of them will tell you, well, AI is about 10% of our workload today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that that percentage is going to go up. Sure. Um, so when you're talking about HPC and high-performance compute, not only do you need to sort of be able to support the traditional HPC applications and workloads, but at the same time, you have to support this growing uh, requirement for AI and ML. So I think that's where you're going to see these coming together. And like I said, the real thing is, you, you know, we're at the infancy when it comes to AI and machine learning. Every time a new model comes out, um, and if the model's better, people just switch like a light switch. Like some of the models that you thought were really popular Yesterday or three months ago, I mean, are almost unused now because right. when something new comes out, people switch, and no one really knows what direction it's going to go. And I have a feeling that you, if you're looking at a high performance compute and you want to be able to support the AI machine learning models of the future, you need to have flexibility in your in your compute so that depending on the directions that the model goes, does your architecture uh, support that? Said another way. And if I had one criticism of a lot of uh, the AI hardware startups I see out there today. If you develop your hardware around the models of today, I think you're at an inherent disadvantage because mm-hmm. it's changing so fast.
1: Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, you guys have a keynote here today. Mm-hmm. Jim, Jim will be talking. What are the key messages for the conference this week? And are you making any announcements?
0: Um, I don't know if we're making any uh, specific announcements. I'm looking over at my uh, PR guy, but uh, you know, Jim is. Uh, you know, we we have been uh, focused on AI. And machine learning models for the last six years. Um, we're about to tape out our third generation black hole uh, processor, which will be the first one um, that sort of takes our 10, cores, which are the blocks mm-hmm. of architecture that we use in our AI, and uh, combine them with uh, sort of the first version of those, those, those larger RISC-V compute cores. So I have a feeling that Jim is going to be talking about, again, the heterogeneous compute, how that benefits AI and ML, uh, and again, um, I think the importance of having an alternative. You know, we before the before the microphones started rolling, we had a discussion about you know what, what, what's the value in having you know alternative architectures or alternative hardware. I think if if COVID and, and the lockdowns taught us anything, there was a huge supply chain crunch with CPUs and memory and all these different parts. And I think that companies realize that um, if you have all your eggs in one basket and you're single sourced, it's very dangerous. So I think there is uh, certainly a need, especially with the, the popularity boom we see in AI ML compute requirements, to have alternative vendors out there. And I think Jim will probably, I think, uh, touch on that mm-hmm. in his keynote. Yeah,
1: you know, you're wearing an architectural diagram of one of your chips, which, as a former Silicon nerd myself, is very um, exciting. Um, tell me a little bit about the third generation chip and what it brings in terms of an architectural footprint, and how customers have responded to it.
0: Sure, so uh, so we're just taping, uh, since we're taping out, we expect product back in the labs early next year, and then we'll be you know, taking that and putting it into different form factors. Um, but we have been working with some of the customers that have looked at our IP. Um, they've actually got their hands on it and they've been running in simulation. Been, and I think they're very, very pleased. And like I said, we've been on a journey with our machine learning architecture. Um, so our first generation Grayskull, which is the one on my shirt, sure, Introduces the TenSix cores, um, which again is a—it's—it's—you know—we describe it as the world's first mass production graph computer with a data flow architecture, very okay. very different to sort of a traditional GPU uh, compute model, um, and that's that's where we call them the TenSix cores. That's where they came in. With our second generation Wormhole, um, we added Ethernet—it's uh, so a proprietary Ethernet fabric um, designed to enable scale out. Uh, meaning that uh, we're using an Ethernet fabric to connect uh, chip-to-chip, card-to-card, server-to-server, rack-to-rack, so that we can connect, uh, we like to say an unlimited, but let's say a a large number of of chips together so that they're seen by PyTorch or TensorFlow or whatever as a single device, um, and you remove the need for having uh, NVLink or Mellanox or these switching routers. Everything's kind of connected together in this large mesh network. Now, the third generation, uh, in addition to uh, improving on our 10.6 uh, cores, we've we've, you know, we've improved the math. Uh, we've added more memory. Uh, we've uh, we switched to, you know, I think a better GDDR. We, we've done a couple things inside, to sort of tune up and optimize. Um, but we've added uh, sixteen Risk Five cores to our chips. And as I said, that's kind of our we're on this journey with the Risk Five. Mm-hmm. If you look inside our 10.6 cores, um, actually we've got these things called baby risks. or these little single in a shorter in order issue. Um, Risk five, and that's part of what drives our 10.6 cores compute and gives it sort of the ability to do these dynamic conditional execution units. And then uh, with wormhole, we have scale-out, and with black hole, we're now adding these 16 five, I would say medium-sized cores um, on, the, on the chip. And uh, in, where we remove the need for switches and routers in our second generation, what we're trying to do is remove the need for a host system, or at least remove the need for um, the operations to be sent out Outside of the silicon going through the main bus going through mm-hmm. memory and being done on the CPU how much of that can we do in the silicon itself mm-hmm. now the next generation after that is where we bring in our in-house high performance RISC-V chiplet combined with our next generation top of the line AI chiplet we put them together and we've got this what we believe will be um, a, you know a very interesting take on sort of what Grace Hopper and what mi 300 are doing but this black hole chip is super interesting because it's really bringing together those uh, RISC-V CPU cores uh, with our AI and seeing what we can do with them together. And the response so far has been uh, very, very interesting. We've talked about some of the investments we've had in our company and some of the strategic partnerships we've signed. And I would tell you without doubt, all of these are companies that see the same vision of this combination of AI acceleration and general compute.
1: It's really exciting. Um, you know, when you, when you talked a little bit about the architectures of today are not going to solve the problems because we're innovating too fast sure, yep. this would be the time of the interview typically david that i would ask what do you see in the next few years but if you put in perspective how fast we're moving a year ago today we nobody had heard about chat gpt yeah and so you know we, we we see the acceleration we feel the acceleration it's visceral so if you look forward a year from now Torrent, as well as the industry, what do you want to be seeing and, and what do you think we're going to be talking about in terms of the core capability of AI?
0: Yeah, so you're absolutely right. It's super interesting, right? I think no one could have predicted. I think there's, you know, Sam Altman and those guys on, on OpenAI or on record saying they're they surprised at sort of the popularity of ChatGPT and what happened. So I think it goes to show you we're kind of at the infancy in this uh, industry, in this, in this area, right? We don't know where it's going to go. I think without a doubt. As I said, with the uh, products that have been released this year from, you know, NVIDIA and AMD, I'm super interested in seeing how developers and academics um, and enthusiasts in the space take advantage of that uh, heterogeneous architecture and what they can drive with it. So again, not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing what the models of the future will look like, I am excited to see how the. The folks that are developing the models themselves are going to take advantage of these sort of new heterogeneous architectures, and I think that's actually going to play well into our own strategy. Other than that, it's really hard to say. I think that with the rate of change that we're seeing, I can tell you some of the verticals. You know, I'm, I'm the business side mm-hmm. for TenStorrent. I can tell you that there's some vert- industry verticals that are super keen on this kind of combination of, of compute and acceleration, and it's automotive, it's HPC (high-performance computing), it's big data center. Oh, no. And I think less about the architecture itself, but I would say the need or the desire to own your own compute is what surprised me most from I hear from customers. And that's where Risk Five really comes in. People don't want to be beholden to the financial needs or you know the whims of a, of a few companies. Mm-hmm. So if you can own your own architecture, you can own your own destiny, and I think Tesla's taught, this, taught, taught us this, and so has Amazon. They really do own their entire silicon uh, from end to end. Mm-hmm. And I think the number of companies that are looking at that and saying, wow, if we can, we can customize our silicon for the workloads that we care about and drive this incredible efficiency, and we can own the technology. And really, at TenStorrent, I think our, our reason to choose RISC-V, for instance, um, is not only about you know, being able to offer, offer that customizability, Um, but it's also about being able to offer ownership Mm -hmm. and getting in. It's a new model where you're not, um, you know, there's no fear of what happens if 10 not here in two years or five years, what if they get acquired? Um, If you're in the risk five ecosystem, then you are, you've got hopefully five, 10, 15 other companies that if we're not doing our job and we're not offering the best solution, you can go somewhere else. In fact, you can just decide to go do it on your own. And that ownership piece has been surprisingly um, one of the things I see most from customers about why they're, choosing to work with TennisTorrent.
1: That's fantastic. For those of us who are listening online, I'm sure we've piqued interest uh, to engage. How do folks reach out to you to talk further and talk to your team?
0: Oh my gosh, so yeah, uh, we're on Twitter, we're on kind of every social media. We've been, I don't wanna say we're in stealth mode because we're not, but we've been intentionally uh, careful with what we're going to market. Jim and the team, we have one mission and we, we don't wanna overdeliver. deliver, we don't wanna talk in hype. We really just want to talk about what we can do and more importantly, show it. Um, so you'll see, I think, in the next couple months, we started to make some announcements as we bring these strategic partners on board. We've got a lot more announcements in the hopper that we're pretty excited to share with everyone. But in the meantime, please reach out to us on the website, reach out to us on social media. And I think uh, one thing we've committed uh, to you know, everyone that we speak to is that we want to democratize uh, AI and we want to be able to get you know, a modern AI architecture that, frankly, is very different than sort of what the sort of the standards are today out to as many people as possible. And uh, I hope to have some news and announcements about that coming soon. And hopefully not only will you be able to talk to Tenstorrent, but I think you'll be able to get a chance to kind of play around with the hardware. And uh, we want more people to see what they can do with it.
1: For those who listen to the Tech Arena they know that I am a huge fan of chiplet architectures, yes. heterogeneous compute, and risk 5 so, so I, I nailed uh, all your... okay. Oh you did I didn't know, this know that. So this is great. <laughs> yeah. So thanks so much for the time today and taking time away from
0: the conference. No, also, I appreciate it. And thanks for having us. Uh, really look forward to hopefully coming back next year and sharing some more exciting things. Thanks for joining The Tech Arena. Subscribe and engage at our website, thetecharena.net. All content is copyright by The Tech Arena.